Hi and welcome to the Demand Matrix podcast series Sunny Side Up. I'm Paroma. I'll be your host for the day. Hi Paroma, welcome to the Demand Matrix podcast series titled Sunny Side Up. We're so happy to have you here today. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure, Paroma, and uh, <laughs> it's a funny coincidence that we are both called Paroma Sen, but yeah. Uh, thanks for having me here. Um happy to be able to speak to your audience and take this opportunity. So telling you a little bit about myself, my name is Paroma Sen. I lead innovation and industries marketing at SAP in India. I've been in this role okay. for about two years now. And my primary responsibilities are around demand generation, looking at all the various markets where SAP can play in, in India. And um, we are responsible for pipeline generation, so sales can take it forward and ultimately leads to revenue. Great. So what led you to this current role and position at SAP India? Can you tell us a little bit about your past experiences? Have you always been in a similar field? Uh, anything but that. <laughs> I, my background um, actually was in engineering. And um, so I did uh, my master's in computer engineering. And by that time, I realized that if I have to do a job writing code from 9 to 5, I might as well put a bullet in my head uh, because I needed people <laughs> interaction a lot more. So. Um, then I went ahead and did a master's in advertising, and then I thought that, hey, I have a degree in advertising, a degree in engineering, what the hell do I do from a job front? Thankfully, marketing found me, or rather I found marketing, and um, started working, uh, doing technology marketing. So I've worked in semiconductor companies doing chip sales, really, uh, chip marketing, in professional audio domain and mobile devices. Then I've done software audio. After that, I came back to India in 2013, and I worked in NDTV, heading marketing and content for one of their verticals called NDTV Ethnic, and then came to SAP. Here, this is my first time working for an IT kind of a company. I've always been in technology, but this is the first time okay. in information technology. It's been a fun journey. So what have what, what can, I'm going to ask a tricky question here. What did you like more, role at NDTV or what you do at SAP is what you like more? Oh, I love what I do at SAP. I think B2B marketing has so much depth to it. B2C was fun. That's what I did at NDTV, and I really honed my digital marketing skills there. But when it comes to strategy uh-huh. and really big deals, a big difference to the world, that's with B2B in a large company like this. I love it here. Yeah. Great. So do you want to elaborate on the core problem that your company or your department solves? Sure. So SAP has been around for all of, say, what, 45 years now. So we help companies, businesses, say governments even run better, right? We are, we are in the run side of things, operational efficiencies, and so on and so forth. And we say that when our customers run better, that's when we feel that we've done our job. That's, that's our purpose in the, in the world. Uh, in terms of what the core problem it is that we solve, we are, we are looking now at making enterprises intelligent, right? So the world is sitting on right. tons and tons of data, but an intelligent enterprise is one that makes use of that data to generate insights, right? So uh-huh. those insights, what will they be able to do? They'll be able to do more with less resources. They'll be able to empower their employees. They'll be able to give a best-in-class experience to their customers. And they will be able to be future-proof by creating new yeah. revenue streams, new business models, and so on and so forth. So that's where we are. Right. So that's what the value we give the world. And you're currently pretty involved, heavily involved with demand generation activities. So do you want to share some thoughts? Sure, Paroma. So, you know, with demand generation, we use the word demand creation, demand generation. But I always think that demand is like energy. You know, you cannot create it from zero, from nothingness. 
you can only convert it from one form to the other. Like you can convert, say, potential energy into kinetic energy, if you remember, you know, in high school physics. Demand today exists in the world in the form of customer pain points. And when we take that, harness it, articulate it, contextualize it, then we convert those pain points into demand, right? So that's the way I think about demand generation. And from a B2B perspective, what becomes critical then is the value proposition and how you message the story. Because unless that is there, you know, you're constantly creating and re-churning the same leads. Yeah. Right. So in this entire digital marketing spectrum and social selling space, which these are again roles that you have and functions you've been part of rather. So how have you seen it evolve over the past couple of years? Also given this martech boom and of course love for data, like you mentioned, everything's data driven and we're sitting on a pile of data. So Absolutely. I remember when I was doing my schooling or my university back in advertising, at that point we used to talk about the world of digital being pop-ups and banners and very, very in-your-face advertising. Today it is so much more sophisticated. We have search engine marketing, we have content syndication, we have optimization techniques off websites, and then we have social selling. So I happen to be a gold-level social selling trainer, but any form of marketing, going back to basics, it's about putting your message where the customer eyeballs are. And data helps us fine-tune that approach. Data tells us where to go, where to make best use of our budgets to put our message where that audience of one, we use the term audience of one very closely, because ultimately every individual in the world wants a very, very personalized, relevant, contextualized message, which makes him Uh an audience of one. So data is the only uh-huh. thing out there which allows us to give that very, very unique experience. Yeah. So I'll dig a little deeper here. How effective do you think intent data is in all of this and in B2B marketing? So intent data, again, there, there are two sides to this, right? So obviously, from a marketer's purview, this is awesome. You know, having intent data, being able to tell both the context and the behavior of a person with respect to a certain product or service or what it is that you're trying to put out there. Which is great. I mean, that's the gold mine, right? That's what we all want, yeah. all love. But the yeah. other side of that, now with GDPR is, where are the lines being drawn? Where are we saying consent being a problem, privacy being a problem? And if we have a perfect way to reach out to a person, but that person says, hey, I don't want to be contacted by you, then that falls flat. So I think GDPR right. itself is evolving as well and will continue to evolve. I don't think we've hit the answer by any means. We are prioritizing privacy as as a community today, but there has to be a balance in there, right? Where I mean, at what point do you say that technology, I want to use it for convenience, and therefore, hey, if I'm in the market to buy a bed, I want to see ads for a bed, and there I will compromise on my privacy to be reached. So that balance, it's an evolving road, and I think intent data is important. There will be changes down the road because of GDPR, but it's certainly evolving, and we are not at the mother load yet. Okay. A lot of B2B marketers today, of course, they have data-driven campaigns, they rely on data, and, you know, it's a data-driven environment today. But it's also a very account-based marketing-inspired environment. I think half of uh, the B2B segment seems to support the idea of account-based marketing. How would you tell people to align their digital marketing ABM efforts? Great, great question. ABM, account-based marketing, is usually obviously done for the larger accounts. And when you have a large account... You require a lot of depth of marketing rather than breadth. You have to think about all the levels of stakeholders in that particular organization that needs to be influenced. So I would go about thinking through an ABM strategy 
is how to position oneself from a thought leadership perspective. And it connects back to what you mentioned earlier about social selling, right? So right. rather than doing product pitches, position yourself as in whether you're a salesperson or a marketing person, you're an individual and you're positioning yourself as a person with some expertise who can provide a, a customer an idea, a thought about something, a thought leadership position, right? So it's very important for people who are selling to create their own social brand, engage socially with their customer base, and build that equity in oneself. So ABMs, rather than do a generic, you know, one-size-fits-all approach, it has to be very, very specific, and that thought leadership has to be an integral part of the strategy getting to that market. Right. So, so you know, we all know how content and personalized content and content I think plays a heavy role in ABM efforts. So where do you see, I mean, I'm sure you guys use content uh, as a core marketing strategy at SAP as well, right? So where do you see this changing and how do you see this changing in the next couple of years? There are changes in content consumption patterns as well. So how would you tell people to align all of this together? So absolutely, content consumption is changing by the day, by the second in some cases, right? Yeah. Artificial intelligence, brand intelligence, we're using a lot of these techniques to understand what is happening and how we make our investments more measurable, right? For example, right. even in India today, people are still so heavily um, spending their marketing monies on television, which has the least measurability of many, many other mediums, like you know, digital would be a strong one, but hey, people still invest in TV. So there are ways of using image recognition to see how much your logo is visible in a certain campaign and how for how long it has been visible and how does that compare with competitors. So giving these measurable techniques is, again, a digital format, but now we are using that in traditional media. So there's a lot of that crossover happening. Another example right. is IoT. I mean, you talked about data. Uh, hey, IoT is going to create a shitload, excuse my language. Exactly, yeah. Janet will give another spin to intent data. For example, if my fridge tells a marketing organization that the milk is running out, or if my pollution meter is telling somebody that, hey, pollution is high, would I want to be contacted for replenishment of milk or for a air purifier? Maybe yes. So yeah. again, there's a lot happening with the data, with how data is being generated and consumed. All of that is changing, evolving. We don't know where it's going, but the journey is fun. Everything is a lot more convenient for the end user. They just have to do less of everything and get more of everything. All of it's an interesting journey. And one in all of these digital marketing, content marketing, ABM efforts, as a marketer who's planning a strategy, what would you put emphasis on most? Nation of, especially when B2B lead generation. Yes, so it depends on which market segment we're going after. You're targeting. So basically, you're right. No marketer is complete, or a marketing strategy cannot even start without the first basic 101 of market segmentation. So if I had to segment my customer base by size of customer, very, very simplistic way of doing it, largest customer, mid-sized customers, and then smaller customers, obviously you'll have a pyramid shape there with the largest customers, fewest in number would be on top. For them, I would do more account-based marketing, more in-depth, reaching out to as many stakeholders as possible. Then by the time I get to the bottom of the pyramid, there are hundreds and thousands of customers at the bottom, maybe tens, hundreds of thousands of customers as well. I would have a much more digital presence there because they are the ones looking for information. They are the ones hungry out there looking for information. They don't have sales and account teams knocking at their door with full-fledged plans. So they're looking out there, so using the right keywords, 
being able to pull in their search searches to our benefit, that would be the core of the strategy. Right. So I think you've shared some pretty interesting insights, and thank you for spending this time with us today. Are there any other key takeaways you'd like to share with our audience? So I think if I had to take a step back, why is it that all of us do what we do in marketing? I think I was attracted to marketing given my background, because it is the one field I see which is such a beautiful blend of art and science. I mean, we use uh -huh. data so much, the science part of it, to fine-tune everything, to create strategies, to segment markets. We are so very data-driven. That's the science part of it. But then there comes the art part of it, where you have to create a unique, delightful experience for a customer, for an audience of one. And that beautiful balance is why I do marketing, right? And honestly, right. Paruma, I get a lot of questions about what is the future of marketing. People are afraid of artificial intelligence coming and taking away their jobs. Their jobs, yeah. At least through my career, I have seen that I have evolved from every job. I've never held two jobs that have been similar. And there has been constant mm -hmm. learning. Personally, one of my biggest flaws in me is that I get bored very, very easily. If my job and my work doesn't keep me mentally stimulated, active, and striving to learn, then I get bored. So that learning, that constant upskilling, that constant desire, that hunger for knowledge is what will keep an individual out there from losing their job or from losing their job to an AI or a bot, right? So that's my takeaway for myself and for everyone out there who might be hearing. Constantly learn. Keep yourself on the edge of things because that's what will make sure that you stay that unique person who will continue to deliver value for an organization. That's great. That's a wonderful piece of advice. Thank you so much, Paroma, for spending this time with us. And uh, I look forward to speaking with you again. Likewise. Thank you so much.